World War II. It's known as the greatest generation. And these are their stories. It's the World War II Project. This is the Americhicks with your host, Kim Munson. Welcome to the Americhicks World War II Project. Uh, this is a show that precipitated from a trip that we took in 2016 that took four D-Day veterans back to Normandy for the D-Day celebrations. We returned realizing that we need to capture these stories and have interviewed over 100 World War II veterans. We're starting to add in stories of Korea and Vietnam as well. Uh, be sure and go to my website. All of the shows are archived there, and I'm thrilled to have in studio with me friend Brad Hoops. Brad, welcome. Thank you, Kim, for having me over. It's great to have you here, and, and we... I'm not quite sure how we got connected, but I think it was through your book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors. I got you on the show to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Tell us just a little bit about your journey with the World War II veterans. Well, I've got a a very passionate project where I uh, interview and preserve their stories. Uh, I feel it's very important that we we get these, as you, well, we're singing in the same Mm -hmm. choir here. I don't know why, but uh, to, to, to get their stories down on 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 record so that they're they're never lost or or ever forgotten. So that's I started that project about uh, 13 years ago after I'd read an article where the Library of Congress uh, was starting a program to collect veteran stories, and I thought, well, why not try to do something on the local local level? So I went out, bought a video camera, and just started doing them. Brad, would you say that this has changed your life? Oh, oh, hands down, absolutely hands down. It's just. Uh, the stories that that I've heard over the years, uh, it, it's just amazing what, what these men and women have done for our country. And how many uh, veterans have you interviewed? Well, somewhere north of 500, um, but about 350 are World War II. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And um, let's talk a little bit about your book then. Out of all of these interviews... You have written a book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors, and I've read it. It's a wonderful book. It's a number of of stories that you put together. So tell our listeners about your book. Well, the book kind of was kind of an offshoot of the project. I had uh, um, the local paper. I live up in Loveland. The Loveland Reporter Herald was doing a, a, a series on Loveland World War II veterans and asked me to be a, a contributing writer. So I had 18 stories published and then another 12 on deck to be published when they sold the paper and discontinued the series. And I would get calls from uh, the remaining 12, you know, well, Brad, when do you think my story is going to be published? And I said, I'm sorry to tell you that it isn't going to be published. So I thought, well, geez, you know, I've got these 30 stories. Why don't I sit down and rewatch some of some more of my interviews, write a similar essay, and then bundle them into the book? And, and that's how the, the book came about. And uh, much like my project, I, I try to go after the human experience and human perspective of the book and, and tell the story from that way. The book itself is really kind of, it covers both theaters. Mm-hmm. It covers every branch of the service. So hopefully giving a, a fairly well-rounded look at, at World War II through the eyes of, of, of veterans. And it's a really easy read because uh, each of the stories are are probably two or three pages long, and you've got pictures. You know, I think that's one of the things you look at these these they were just kids. Oh, I know it. I they know it. They were just kids. That's the. I mean, I, I think uh, there's two things that kind of two common threads that run through all the interviews. I think you hit on the first one. They're just kids. I mean, I I look at myself when I was seventeen, eighteen, nineteen years old. You know, what was my biggest worry? It was that math test on Wednesday, or geez, would that cute girl in English ever go out with me? Or you know, the mm-hmm. big pressure of the day. 
you know, what are we doing on Friday night? Mm-hmm. And then you see what uh, what these people have gone through, the, the putting into situations of incredible responsibility and or situations of sheer hell in it. Uh, I, I can't wrap my arm around it. And, and I think the other thing on that goes along with that, too, is, you know, these kids, they weren't just kids. I mean, they they grew up probably never traveling any further than 25, 50 miles away from their hometown or farm. Now they find themselves halfway around the world in this strange land in a war. I mean, there was no Internet. The Internet was, mm-hmm. was that listening to the radio at night and maybe that, that National Geographic in the airport or in the uh, in the library. But uh, so they were going off to an unknown experience in an unknown land. It, uh, it to me, it's mind-boggling. It is totally mind-boggling, and I would recommend that every person read this book and read it to your children. You know, the kids are home f- for summer, and you could read one or two stories a night at the dinner table. And, and that's you know, I, I really kind of wrote it for two groups: uh, the, 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 the one group like you and I that just love this history, but I think the second group, and probably the more important group, are the are the people that don't know or know very little about this history and primarily our students and youth. And uh, I have uh, the hopes that, uh, that it, for lack of a better word, is, is a gateway drug for them to want to go on and learn more about, uh, about this important part of our, our history. Well, and that's another one of the reasons why we do this show as well, yep. is to continue to get this information out. So how can people buy the book? It's available uh, on all the big boys, you know, Amazon.com, uh, BarnesandNoble.com. Uh, they could always uh, contact me, at, and I can get them a, a signed copy, if okay. you will. Yeah. And how could they do that? Uh, my website is uh, RememberAndHonor.com. Um, uh, you could email me, Brad.Hoops, H-O-O-P-E-S, at RememberAndHonor.com. Or you can give me a phone call, 970 970- Six three one two zero two seven, and again, that is rememberandhonor.com, com. Right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Very good. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the book, some of the stories, a uh, little later in the show. But you <laughs> connected me with something very, very cool, and this is it the is. World War Two birds, and they're coming into the airport up in Loveland here. Uh, July 12th, 13th, and 14th. So what is going on up there? I, I tell you, Kim, you, you hit it right. It, it is a cool weekend where uh, Collings Foundation, they're, out, they're a, a, a foundation out of uh, Massachusetts. Uh, they travel the country bringing restored World War II airplanes, and they bring them in. We, we bring them in every July, and uh, you've got the oppor- the thing is you've got the opportunity to really kind of live history to touch history uh the bombers you you're able to climb through them and 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 experience get a, a, an idea of what uh those boys flew in uh there's even opportunities to to go up a, on a flight and it's just uh uh, a fun weekend surrounding that. We bring in reenactors. We bring in tanks, old World War II vehicles. Saturday, we have uh, a uh, reunion of World War II veterans. It's just a fun weekend to get out and experience history. Well, it's it's really exciting. So when will this start on Friday the 12th? It generally, it uh, they come in from the, previ- the previous uh, stop. is usually uh, like up in Casper. So they'll be flying in from Casper. They usually land about 2, 2 o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon and then they'll they'll get static they'll set up uh uh the planes and open it up to the public and that usually is uh goes till about five and then on saturday and sunday it's uh 9 30 to 5 uh, where the planes are parked and on each end of those uh they take 
they take the planes up. So if you get out there early, you'll see them land. And if you come around at 5, uh, they take off. And uh, oh, to hear the rumble of those engines is uh, it's chilling. Yeah. Well, I have been invited to be on the media flight yeah, on uh, Friday <laughs> afternoon. I am yeah. so excited I can hardly stand it. It is. And I just, what do I need to wear? Because I'm, are we going to be up high enough that I need to have on warm clothes? Because those are not pressurized cabins, Well, that's right? just it, you know, uh, and that's uh, that's the good thing about going up on those those flights. I mean, you can generally get an idea of what the what they went through because you're right. They weren't pressurized. Uh, they were flying at 25,000 feet, so... Uh, you know, I've heard it explained. They were fighting the same conditions that climbers at Mount Everest fight. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're talking an unpressurized uh, cabin. It was anywhere from 40 to 60 degrees below zero. They had to wear oxygen. All the while, you're being shot at. But uh, but yeah, well, these flights will will probably be two or three thousand feet off. Every time I've ever flown, I've been in shorts. So oh, okay, so uh, yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Now another thing is is um, I think I need to thank you, but we are doing a drawing. Yeah, that's fine. for one lucky listener. It, then they will be able to fly on one of these, and it'll be you need to be out to the airport at eight o'clock, I think, on Friday morning for that. If Not I Friday morning, because um, they don't get in till Friday afternoon. Okay, so is it Saturday morning? It must be Saturday morning. Yeah, well, then I'll, I'll need to get all that confirmed yeah. so I know what I'm talking about. So. Yeah, I apologize that I don't know. I'm, I'm almost would almost be certain it would be the, the Saturday on morning Saturday. Flight. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, good. We'll get that confirmed on that. But I want to say thank you first of all because uh, we are getting amazing response, and I have people telling me different ways that I can choose their name out of the, <laughs> out of the basket. So, uh, but uh, we'll do it totally fair and square <laughs> on, on how that's going to work. So um, tell me about the experience of you the first time that you went up on in one of these planes. Well, so and it'll be a B-17, a B-24, a B-25. They're not sure yet. Correct, yeah. Okay. It, uh, you know, after all these years of, of, of interviewing these, these flyers and, and seeing documentaries and, and films and such, so you think you have an idea. And I, I was fortunate because in the previous years, we used to take World War II veterans up to the previous stop. So we would fly them up in a private plane, mostly, usually up to Casper, occasionally down to Colorado Springs, and then fly the bombers back. So I got an extended ride. Cool. But, uh, you, you get in there and, and you just, you know, obviously, like I said, I'm in shorts flying at 3,000 feet, shooting at, uh, cows down on the prairie. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, and you try to envision what these guys, what these guys went through. Um, but you get to walk. You get to walk all the way through the plane from the from the nose. You can't get it back into the tail section. But uh, uh, so you get to experience everything that's involved. And and you look at it and you go, how did they How did they do it? I mean, obviously back in the day the planes were state of the art. But you'll get into. I mean, it's like they're, they're rudimentary cans of uh, you know, mm-hmm. tin cans. I mean, cable. You see the cables moving mm-hmm. and 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 you try. You you walk across the. Uh, the catwalk in the Bombay, and you know it, it can't be but six inches wide, and you know one one stumble and you're falling twenty five thousand feet. You know, I know. Uh, it's it, 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 your lucky winner is in for a treat, a real treat, as you will be as well on uh, on the media flight. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, you mentioned something about other people might be. I mean, can you purchase a ticket or anything? Correct. Yes. Yes. Uh, throughout the uh, the weekend, there's uh, you can purchase flights on all the bombers, and if you got a lot of money, you can take the uh, the P fifty one Mustang fighter up, uh, <laughs> which what I would <laughs> is a yeah <laughs> is uh, a bucket list, but it uh, that don't know if I'll ever make that one. But uh, yeah, so there's flights uh, all weekend long. You're able to uh, uh, reserve a flight on on one of the bombers and. 
Okay. You know, it, and, I, and if you take the kids out there, you said, I think there's going to be, like you mentioned, I think a tank and there's going to be Jeeps and, and the planes. So it's hands-on. I mean, kids can actually touch it and feel it and, and we'll be pe- People telling them about the stories. I mean, what what does it look like? I can't wait. Yeah, it's it's very much so. Outside outside the uh, uh, um, the gate, we'll have uh, the reenactors. They they come and set up full camps, full World War II camps, the tents, the the whole shoot match. They stay out. They live out there. There uh, the the vehicles, a couple tanks. Back in the back in the day, we used to have tank battles, uh, but uh, <laughs> the, the 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 airports developed so much we don't have the land to do that anymore. So yeah, very much hands on climbing on these things, talking to the reenactors. You come in uh, to the uh, to the planes, and like I said, uh, you enter from the back, and and you're able to to crawl and walk through uh, and experience uh, the, the whole plane. So yeah, it is very much hands on. Uh, we've got uh, like I said, I'm very excited uh, every year. I put together a, a World War II. Uh, veteran uh, reunion, uh, so you get come out and talk to talk to these uh, these national treasures, and then we also have under the under the uh, under the wing in the shade of the wings chair situation where we set up chairs and invite veterans as they're out there to have a seat and just chat with the public. Oh, so. that is, that is just amazing. So, okay, so where is this going to be at? Yes, it's at the uh, Northern Colorado Regional Airport, which is in Loveland. Uh, if you're heading coming north from uh, from the Denver metro area, head up I-25 to the crossroads uh, intersection or uh, uh, ramp. Get off that, go west under the under the highway, and then take your first right. Uh, and there'll be signs, but it's uh, it's on the west side of I-25 up in Loveland. Yeah. Okay, okay. And is there good parking, or how should people? Uh, parking's outstanding up there, so okay. plenty of parking. No worries there. Yeah. Okay. And will there be food? Do people need to There'll bring be food trucks? And okay. Okay. Whole... So every so you can just come for so all that people need to bring bring is probably sunscreen. Yes. Yes. And, it and, does. And their wallet. It, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it uh, it uh, there's an entry fee. It's uh, fifteen dollars for adults, five for for children to get in. But uh, yeah, sun highly recommend sunscreen out on there out on the tarmac. It uh, it can get pretty hot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that is really exciting. So again, this is Brad Hoops. We're talking about. This Wings of Freedom tour, which is going to be up at the airport in Loveland, which is basically at I-25 in that crossroads exit. Mm-hmm. And for more information, where can people go for that, Brad? Well, they can uh, climb on. Uh, they can call 1-800-568-8924, or they can cl- climb on uh, the um, Collins Foundation website, which is www.cfdn.org. And that'll have all the information. Um, okay, one well. more time. What is that? The the website is C as in Charlie, F as in Frank, D as in Donut, N as in Nancy dot org. And that'll have all the information on the the planes and and if you want to register for uh, to get on a flight and as well, uh, people can contact me and I can I can feed them with information as well. Okay, and what they need to do to try to get uh, a chance to ride on one of these World War Two birds is go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up. Uh, you must be 18 or older to enter. And we are going to do the drawing on the 9th, uh, July 9th. Mm-hmm. And so we'll let the person, the lucky winner, know after the morning show on July 9th. And uh, so be sure and go and sign up. And uh, like I say, one lucky listener is going to get to go on the ride on a World War II bird. So I think we're going to go to break. When we come back... Let's talk about some of the stories in your book. Is there anything else that we need to hit regarding the uh, event up in Loveland, though? I, I I can't think of anything 
with the exception of if you've got a, a, a day free Friday, Saturday, Sunday come up, it it is well worth the trip and well worth the experience. And, and to that point, going to Normandy, I knew something was important, but it wasn't until I started to understand these stories that it made the history alive. Yeah. And it totally does change your life. So be it sure and, and check that out. We're going to go to break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to go through some of the stories uh, of Brad's book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors. Uh, but before we do that, it is summertime, and Hooters Restaurants is the place to be this summer. Enjoy Hooters beach-worthy seafood items like amazing fish tacos, delicious uh, snow crab legs, and mouth-watering buffalo shrimp. And Hooters has plenty of ice-cold beer options to help cool you down this summer. And they have nine items for 9 bucks, 11 to 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. You can choose from nine delicious menu items such as fish and shrimp tacos, salads, cheeseburger, Philly cheesesteak, and, of course, their boneless wings. So you can dine in for that, or you can get those wings to go. Or you can have them delivered to your front door by going to one of the uh, services that do the deliveries. So for more information, visit HootersColorado.com. That's HootersColorado.com. Let them know that you know the AmeriChicks, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the AmeriChicks World War II Project with Kim Munson. Be sure and check out my website, AmeriChicks.com, and sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests and topics. And be sure and go to my website and sign up. We are doing something really, really exciting. I have Brad Hoops in studio with me, and he is the founder of Remember and Honor. You have interviewed over 300 veterans, have gotten their stories, and have written a fabulous book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors. And you've been involved with this project with the Collins Foundation for how many years to bring to bring these warbirds into uh, Loveland? Well, they've been coming into Loveland for about 16 years. I've been involved for about the last 10 years now. Yeah. Okay. Just a quick question. Are there any, like, children's stories? that I mean, What happens when children are out there and they see these tanks and everything? Do you have a kind of a observation to sh- uh, share with everyone? Uh, yeah, you can, you can just see the excitement, uh, particularly uh, the kids wanting to get into the, uh, to see the planes and waiting for the, the gates to open, and they're sitting at the chain link. I mean, they're just biting <laughs> at the bit. They just can't get in fast enough. Yeah. And... Uh, uh, posing, you know, getting in and posing, holding the machine gun or looking out the window. It's, uh, you can just see the, the excitement. And then the, the real thrill is when they do take off to go on a flight and they fire up those engines and that, that rumble and it, it just, there's electricity in the air. Oh yeah. gosh. I can't, I cannot wait because I'm going to be up there on Friday afternoon. That's when everything gets started is Friday afternoon, the 12th and uh, two. Or right around, at, two. around two. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, uh, so July 12th, Friday at two is when things, and you want to be out there probably by two so that you can see the planes come in, yeah, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool too. Cause, uh, you know, and that's the excitement. Two people will be standing there and someone will say, well, there they are. And then all of a sudden you see the speck and then all of a sudden the, the rumble, they'll, they'll, they'll do a, a flyby before they land. And, uh, yeah. I, I cannot wait. Yeah. And then on Saturday, I hope to come back up for that because you said you're going to have actual World War II veterans there as well. That's that's the. I mean, I I, I love the planes, but I, to me, it's the it's the people. It's where it's at. And and and, and Saturday morning at nine o'clock, we'll have a reunion of uh, World War II veterans where they'll come in and you know enjoy a, a cinnamon roll and a cup of coffee and visit with each other and enjoy the planes and and give the the, the public an opportunity to come in and and shake their hand and ask them questions and. Uh, just honor them. 
And is there a certain time on that, Brad? Well, they'll uh, they'll they'll start at nine. Uh, the gates open at nine thirty, and then it's just it's a very casual. Uh, they'll they'll hang out for a couple hours. Okay. We usually like one thing that's pretty cool is we usually like to to. Uh, uh, Take a a crew picture. We'll get we'll get them all in front of a plane and, cool. and take their pictures. So it's uh, very cool. Yeah, that's good. That's good fun. And one lucky uh, Americhicks listener is going to get a ride on one of these World War II birds. We don't know for sure which one is going to be either B seventeen and B twenty four B twenty five. So be sure and go to my website and sign up for the drawing. We're going to draw that name uh, after the uh, the other show. Uh, on uh, Tuesday the 9th. So be sure and go and sign up because you might be the lucky person. But Brad Hoops, let's jump into your book. This book, uh, just even looking at the pictures on the front, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors, Personal Stories of World War II Veterans. And uh, is there 70 stories? 70 stories of local uh, northern Colorado veterans, yeah. Of northern Colorado. And uh, each little story, it's unique. You have pictures I mean, you look at these pictures, they were just kids. They were. They what were. they did. Um, but let's go through some of these stories. Uh, uh, you know, each one is so unique and and stands out. But let's start with one that really touched your heart when you talked to them. I think uh, the one, I mean, I, I get that question asked a, li- a lot. You know, what what's your favorite story? And it's it's like asking somebody, what's your who's your favorite child or who's your mm-hmm, favorite grandchild? Mm-hmm. So that's always a tough one. But the one I probably get the most response about and one that still kind of touches me is involves uh, Roy Lehman uh, who lived up in Fort Collins He's since passed but uh, we sat down to do his interview and he was um, with uh, he was in an in intelligence so he said he was uh, he joked he said I was close enough to the front line not to have to wear a tie but far enough back I didn't get shot at but the thing is, you know, he followed the front lines. And and as he told this story, you, you could just see the sadness in his eyes as he talked about all the destruction and, and the maiming and, the, and the, the people along the roads, you know, begging and and the, just a sadness to a story. But then he talked then he talked about a time when they, they came into into Holland and and were you know, usually when they'd drive into a town, they would either set up camp or they'd be dispersed among the, the villagers and live in their houses. In this case, uh, he was uh, put in with a family and became almost instant, instantly became very close to the family, in particular her, uh, the six-year-old, uh, one of the daughters, the six-year-old Ermine. And uh, they just, like I said, became good friends. They, they, they took walks. They played games together. Uh, they went to Sunday services, Christmas Eve services at, at their church. And he goes, I, I just felt like I had, I had family while I was there. And, of course, then the front line moved, so they had to move. The, uh, his unit had to move. But before he left, one of the daughters cut off one of her braids as a memento uh, <sighs> to remember the family by. And he carried that whole... He carried that that braid through the whole war with him, and unfortunately, on the, on the uh, ship uh, troop ship home, there was an outbreak of sca- scabies or scabies, and everybody was forced to throw over their personal belongings, so he lost it. And so, you know, that night, I mean, like almost every interview I do, they they seem to seep into my dreams, and I, I, I you know, I saw, like I said, I saw in his eyes the sadness as he told most of his stories, but I saw a twinkle in his eye as he told this particular story. And I woke up the next morning and I thought to myself, you know, I've got to try to find Ermine. That was the little girl. Oh. So uh, I climbed on the on the uh, internet and it, it it's it just shows you the power of the internet, really. Uh climbed on the internet. I found the the hometown newspaper. I had to get another uh website that trans 
transcribe, you know, uh, to find, you know, I jumped back and forth till I found the button that said news tip. And I sent them a, a message saying, this is what I'd like to do. And, uh, didn't hear anything. I was like, Oh geez. But then all of a sudden I got an email from the reporter said, yeah, I'll take on the story. So he took all the, I didn't have, I, I only knew her, her first name. I only had pictures. I knew nothing else. So I gave him what I had and he said, well, the, the story will publish on, on Saturday morning. So, Friday night, much like the night I interviewed, I tossed and turned to bed, and I finally got up and thought, "Well, there's enough of the time difference to um, between Holland and United and, and Colorado." So I, I got on the internet, boom! Instantly, I was I was a ton of emails. They'd found her. She. Had, oh uh, my gosh! I just got chills. Yeah. So they found her, and what what happened from there? Yeah, and so uh, Frank. Uh, Ermine's her name. Frank, her neighbor, took her over to the church and posed her in front of that church that that uh, that Roy had talked about, and sent that. And uh, and then the thing that really got me too was like there was a ton of uh, emails from from that uh, area, and every almost every one of them said we just we were so grateful what the Americans did. And so uh, I hadn't told Roy this, so I waited till a decent hour and went over and I said called and said you know, can I come over and. and Brought everything over, pictures and everything, and and so then this incredible uh, uh, correspondence ensued. And and what was really neat was um, she uh, they did the, then the reporter went out and did a follow up story with her, and she talked talked of course about the games they played and and the uh, um, the walks they took and about the time that uh, uh, Roy came over and announced that this great general was in town, so her mom wrapped her up in a red, white, and blue shawl. Uh, and they walked over, and she sat on the lap, and the general gave her a bag of donuts. And, of course, as a six-year-old, she had no idea who General Eisenhower was. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And then she, then she pulled out her uh, wartime diary and where he had written in, uh, written in a, a, a bit about, uh, you, know, uh-huh. uh, you know, always be uh, – I hope you will grow up as beautiful as your mom. And, uh, I, I forgot the exact thing, but it was really unique. But, uh, and so the sad thing was, though, uh, probably a month or so later – uh, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and then passed away, and then we lost Roy two years later. But, uh, yeah, that's probably my favorite story. Yeah. That is quite a story. And and on that note, when we went to Normandy in 2016 with these four D-Day veterans, now they they were in their 90s. Yeah. And interesting, there was a, a whole group of us that went with them. There was four Denver police officers that had written an essay to win the contest. That's a great they, program. They kind of yeah. assisted the veterans. And then... There were students that had won an essay contest that got to go as well, mm-hmm. and then some some of uh, the others. And um, the people of Normandy, and it's not just Normandy, but that's where we were. They are still so grateful oh, to are. these guys yeah. that they wanted to have these people, these veterans, come to their home for yeah. dinner. And so what ended up happening is all four of them had to split up, and so we each went with a group and went to different um, people's homes, and it was like. You know, thanks. I mean, Thanksgiving French style. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> wow. And uh, still to this day, they they thank them for what they did. And the other thing that I, I took a picture of it is they have pictures throughout Normandy of the Americans. But there is a picture of a French woman, and uh, she's a rather large, and her husband's rather skinny. They're <laughs> standing in the door, and there's a little fence, and there's an American GI, and she has her arms thrown. Open with just pure joy because those people had been under occupation for so long. I have a friend um, whose mother they got they were so hungry that they had to eat the family cat. 
I don't think people realized just what was going on. And so when the Americans showed up, they were glad to see him. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the the Germans pretty much took everything they they raised and and took it back to Germany to to feed their people Mm -hmm. and and soldiers. So, yeah, some very uh, some hardships. Okay. uh, Now, we want people to buy the book. (laughs) <laughs> I am talking with uh, Brad Hoops, and uh, we, we've connected many times. And what's really precipitated this is this fabulous event on, on July 12th, 13th, and 14th up at the airport in Loveland, mm-hmm. which is uh, the Collins Foundation is bringing in these World War II birds. And if you want a chance to ride in one of them, go to my website, americhicks.com, and sign up for the drawing. Uh, but your book, I, we don't want to give everything away. There's 70 stories. <laughs> so uh, we have time before we go to the next break to share another one of your favorite stories. What well, would you- I, I think uh, we'll do one along the lines of, of the air, uh, of the uh, airplanes coming in, and uh, we'll talk about Norm Markle, who uh, was a, uh, a waste gunner on one of the planes. And explain to our listeners what that is exactly. Yeah, so you've, you've, he was on a B-17. They called it the Flying Fortress because it was just loaded with everything, the bombs, the machine guns. So you had like machine guns in the, in the nose on, on the top and the bottom, uh, in the tail, and then two on the sides, and and they were to protect uh, the bombers from uh, uh, from being attacked by German fighters. And that's the thing that needs to be added too is the horrendous loss of life with with these uh, with these flyers. We lost eighty eight thousand airmen. That's eighty eight thousand yeah. airmen, if you can believe it. More more than uh, uh, lost uh, than all the Marines were lost during the war. So yeah, they took horrendous loss. And, and uh, the conditions they were in. But anyhow, so Norm was a tail gunner, or a, a waist gunner, and he just, kind of a funny story, kind of a sad story, but uh, he was, um, the funny story I like to to, uh, to tell is he, he talks about after doing all his training, they would all congregate, usually in like Lincoln or Nebraska or Rapid City, where they would link up, uh, they went off and taught their, did their specialties, and they link up and link up into a crew. And he happened, he was in Lincoln, and he said he was out on the field, and there was thousands of soldiers out there. It was a hot, muggy day, and, and the commander was up there at the podium just droning on, listing, uh, listing uh, you know, each of the crews, just droning on. And it was re- the guys were getting irritable. And out of the crowd, somebody yelled, give me liberty or give me death. And uh, the commander looked up, red-faced, and said, who said that? And somebody else in the, in the, in the, uh, off in the distance said, Patrick Henry, Patrick <laughs> Henry you, you dumb SOB. <laughs> And I guess the place just exploded. And I, I, I still see Norm. He was laughing so hard as he was telling that story. And then as he settled down, he closed his eyes and he rattled off his uh, his crew as that commander would. And so he uh, uh, got the crew. They did training. And another thing that really got to me is he was. Uh, they were heading to the East Coast to to uh, take a ship over to England. And they passed through his hometown on Christmas Eve. And he goes, that was the hardest thing he, he's ever experienced was looking out the window as his town went by. So uh, they got to England. They were flying. Um, he flew 18 missions altogether. It was his last mission, though, and, and actually the last mission of the, of the war. His plane got hit and uh, knocked a hole the size of a bathtub in, in the wing. Everybody bailed out except the ball turret was stuck in his yeah, turret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he wasn't about to leave this man there, so he's he's trying to get him out when the plane went into a tailspin. And explain to people exactly. I mean, the ball turret's the guy that's down underneath, and that's a very dangerous place Extremely to be. Dangerous. And yeah. didn't they they put them down like with a lever or something? It How was all they- yeah. They would uh, crank him down, and it was all hydraulics, and and he was trapped in there, and he couldn't he couldn't get out, and 
and Norm was not about to, everybody else had bailed. The pilots had bailed, and so he wasn't about to let him bail. And uh, he was working to try to get him out when the, the plane went into a into a flat spin and then blew up, blew Norm out of the plane. Norm believes that tail that Bolter it was the last casualty of the of the war with the Air Corps, uh, but it blew him out of the plane. He fell twenty thousand feet unconscious until he came tr- to in time to to pull his chute and and made it to the ground. Was landed in a tree, uh, had to cut himself out of the tree and and. Um, and was kind of hiding, couldn't get his parachute, so he's hiding, and, and then Germans came up and looked at his parachute, and fortunately, he, uh, uh, they just moved on. But So he started walking back to where he thought the American lines were, in, in bare feet, because the, the explosion blew his boots off, was finally found by uh, some GIs taken back to a hospital, um, a field hospital, and while there, they needed uh, eyewitnesses to go to Buchenwald concentration camp to... Um, they just discovered that, so he went as an eyewitness, had to experience that a whore, and then uh, finally made it home. Uh, but uh, and then sixty years later, he gets a phone call from a, from a man saying, are "You know, you Norm Mark, are you uh, were you with name the plane, and were you on this in Czechoslovakia this day?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah." And he goes, "Well, I was an inf- infantry man. I saw the plane explode. I f- went over to the crash site and picked up a piece of the plane, and I vowed that someday I'd return it to." Uh, <clears throat> I just got chills on, on One that. One of the crewmen, and so yeah. they linked up and became really good friends. So, You know, Brad, yeah. one other thing as you tell that story is one of the very first guys that I had interviewed was, uh, he's since passed on, but it was over in the Pacific Theater, and they were at 25,000, 35,000 feet, and they yeah. got hit. And uh, he said that they uh, had to jump. Now, I am thinking at the time that they practiced this. <laughs> exactly right. They hadn't practiced this. That's right. They had done some training. But this was their first jump when they did this. That's right, yeah. So when Norm came to, uh, after free-falling for 20,000 feet, to have just the the wherewithal exactly. to to pull your chute, I... I it's beyond belief to me. It's and, just absolutely beyond belief. And once again, it's, uh, it's, it's these kids, these farm boys from Kansas, and uh, these uh, that had never even been in an airplane growing up. It was probably you know that was the first time they'd ever been in planes was when they in, in the war, and it just had to be. I, I just can't imagine what that experience was like. You know. You know, and uh, they did it because they they felt a duty. Absolutely, and. Um, Somebody opposed, we're going to go to break here in just a minute, but somebody opposed something. Uh, actually, you know what? I think we'll go to break, and I'm, I'll, I'll mention this. Okay. Uh, this is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks. I am interviewing Brad Hoops, the author of this fabulous book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors, Personal Stories of World War II Veterans. I would so highly recommend that you get this and read a story or two each night with your children at dinner. It will truly uh, change your life. So it's uh, at any of the major places where you can buy books. Uh, be sure and do that. And uh, how we've gotten connected for this particular show is this fabulous event that is coming in July 12th, 13th, and 14th up at Loveland Airport. Uh, it's a complete World War II uh, reenactment. There's mm-hmm. going to be bombers there. Anna, Brad, what, again, Brad, what is that website for information again? That is uh, www. I threw you a loop yeah. there. <laughs> C-F-D-N, Charlie Frank. David Nancy dot org. Okay, great. 
So for more information there, we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, a few more stories from your book. We don't want to give it all away, but there's 70 there, and they're all rich and wonderful. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks World War II Project. Uh, be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. We have all of the stories archived there. And uh, just thrilled to have in studio with me today, Brad Hoops. Brad, you are a friend. Uh, you you have had a heart for these World War mm. II veterans. You were at the party before I got there, but I'm glad I'm there. You know it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's never too late to get to the party. That's for sure. Um, but uh, you've interviewed over... 300 veterans, many of them World War II veterans. 500 and about 350 World War II. Okay, yeah. okay. And you've archived this. You've, you've got, you actually did uh, video with the, many of them as yes. well. Yes, yeah. The, the main objective was always just to get it down on record for them and their families to have a secondary objective, which uh, I only do with their permission. I'll donate one to their local library or museum. Colorado State University's Morgan Library takes a copy. And they recently, I wish I could, I'm sorry I didn't bring down the, the website, but they recently digitized everything I've donated so far so people can climb on and watch the interviews. Awesome. Uh, I send a copy down to the World War II Museum down in New Orleans and then the Library of Congress. And I believe Library of Congress has them digitized as well. Oh, that's fantastic. And this book that you did, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors, Personal Stories of World War II Veterans, it's 70 different stories, both from the European and the Pacific Theater. And uh, truly, um, I, I just highly would recommend that people get the book Read a story or two with your kids or your grandkids uh, so that they understand this history. And then this fabulous event that, that's coming coming into uh, at the Loveland Airport, July 12th, 13th, and 14th. Yeah, the Collins Foundation is bringing in some World War II birds. They're going to have tanks and jeeps and a real World War II camp with reenactors. And uh, it's just going to be a great day. And so that'll start around 2, you said, on the 12th. Yeah, the planes will uh, usually come in from their previous stop. Uh, they land around 2. Oftentimes they're late, but uh, we, we target for 2. And it, so it'll go from about 2 to 5 on Friday and then from 9.30 to 5 on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Yeah. And on Saturday there will be some World War II veterans there that people can can meet and shake their hand. Uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I get most excited about is the, the, the World War II reunion where we bring in, uh, invite, and, and invite any listeners out there that know a World War II veteran, or if you are a World War II veteran, please come up. Uh, we'd love to have you. Uh, last year, I think we had 25 uh, show up. The first year we did, we had like uh, 80. So awesome. it just tells you just that we're losing. Unfortunately, we're losing our, our national treasures too too soon. Well, they they were kids when they served in World War II, and, and now they're in their 90s. And uh, each one has a unique story. And Brad, you alluded to this in, I think, the last segment, but sometimes when I look into their eyes, mm. you can see a twinkle in their eyes, and mm. you can see that 18- or 19-year-old kid there. Absolutely. Well, that's that's uh, a sparks a memory that I have. Uh, two years ago, I took up um, uh, Lee Basher up on a flight. Uh, Lee was a, uh, a 19-year-old B-17 pilot, if you can believe that. I, I can't imagine at 19 being responsible for this plane and, and 10 crewmen. In combat. In combat, yeah. no less. Yeah, so uh, once again, he grew up in, in sleepy Loveland back then, which was isolated, just a small little farm town. And now he's off uh, flying over Europe being shot at. So he flew 24 missions. But anyhow, we uh, had the opportunity to, t- to take him up for a flight. We flew him down in a private plane down to, at that time, the, the previous stop was in the Springs and, and then flew back the bomber. And he was able to, uh, he was still 
uh, had his uniform and still able to fit in it. So he had his uniform it's on. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. But we're, we're up. Uh, and the nice thing about when you, when you come out and, and go through the plains, you're able to climb through all, all the, whether you take a ride or, or it's on the ground and you just tour through it, you're able to climb all through the plane. So we were taking him all through the plane and he was up at, in the cockpit and he was leaning over, uh, watching the pilot. And, and it's so noisy, you can't hear anything. It's just incredibly noisy. But I'm looking at it, and I, I see him mumbling. And, and I sat there and watched a 92-year-old be transformed back into a 19-year-old. You know? yeah. Wow. That's quite a story. So, Well, let's hear just a, a few more. Be, uh, what, what's another story that, that you want to share from your book, Reflections of Our Gentle Warriors? Well, why don't we talk about Leela Morrison? You've had, oh, you've interviewed, I you've, love her. You've, interviewed, you've had her on your show. She's a, a spectacular woman incredible woman she just recently was invited over and went over to the 75th anniversary of uh, the d-day landing ceremonies um and uh, i haven't talked to her since i've been back she's been unfortunately i think it, the trip got the best of her and, and she's been sick but uh hopefully uh, uh she'll be prayers out. for layla morrison you know it prayers for healing. absolutely <laughs> oh absolutely yes mm-hmm. uh and i hope uh she's well enough to make the reunion on on the 13th but uh Leela is uh, her story. I think is pretty spectacular. She was uh, uh, this the Southern Belle that, that grew up in, in Blue Ridge, Georgia, and and all her life uh, just wanted to be a nurse. And uh, she lost her mom at an early age, and she was the youngest child. So her, her father uh, was kind of against it. Was really against it, saying, you know, "You're just too small. It's it's too physical of a job." But she we're at war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she relented or just kept at it. And he finally gave in. And so she went off to uh, nursing school and uh, did so well in nursing school that they asked her to stay on and and, uh, and be an instructor. And she did that. But then one day uh, the recruiters came through the, uh, through the school and you know, there was a shortage of nurses and she just felt a, a strong urge to, uh, to serve. So she resigned her position and joined the, uh, joined the army as a, as a nurse and, Training took her here to Denver and out to California and then finally Texas. And Texas was kind of a, a pivotal point in, in, in this story. And that's where she trained to go overseas. But she also met uh, a very uh, handsome officer. There was a dance one night. Uh, uh, the 13th Armored Division sponsored a dance and invited all these nurses over. And and uh, she and, and Walt linked up and danced all night and just had a great night and and uh, afterwards, uh, they were going to go grab a bite to eat and stopped at a, at a cafe, but uh, uh, the cafe refused to, to serve his, his driver. So he ordered three steak dinners, and they sat out on the curb and, and ate him out on the curb to tell you, you know, what kind of guy I think Walt was. I unfortunately never got to meet him. But that night, he said, well, someday I'm going to marry you. <laughs> and she just laughed. She goes, you don't even know me. And so, uh, uh, but, you know, he had... Uh, he had a general idea of the long term, their long term future, but their short term future was very murky because they, soon after they both departed for, uh, uh, for the war, and she took the uh, the Queen Mary over to uh, England as part of the 118th um, evacuation hospital, and a very funny story there that uh, she she likes to tell, and it was very funny. While her and a couple of nurses were walking down the street in in England, a young kid came up and yanked on her skirt and said, uh, "Miss, are you a Yank?" And of course, that was uh, a dilemma for this Southern Belle. You know, how do you answer that? You know, she figured, well, it's too confusing for for this child. So she said, yeah, and, and of course, got kidded uh, mm-hmm. by her friends. But soon after, then they uh, went across the continent and uh, were right on the front lines. Uh, it was a front line hospital, and she just uh, told the story of just uh, 
you know, she was in pre-op trying to keep the boys alive before they could, so they could get into uh, get them into surgery. And she said it was uh, times when shells were exploding all around them or above them, and it was nerve-wracking. And and she uh, she said I just I had to hold it together. I couldn't show these boys that I was scared, but I was I was frightened. And and um, so she crisscrossed uh, followed the once again followed the front lines meantime she kept inter, inter, uh, intersecting the 13th armor division and <laughs> imagine they, that huh? <laughs> yeah they hadn't seen each other her and Walt hadn't seen each other uh, but they, there was rumor that uh, they were parked uh, camp right down the road and sure enough here comes Walt and so they get together and once again he asked her to marry her and once again she said no we don't know each other I won't until after the war they depart their ways again and and then you think that she had uh, Seen the worst of it. Uh, the war was coming to an end, but then they were. Uh, the hospital was asked to come and help out. Uh, they just discovered Buchenwald uh, concentration camp, and she was asked to. Uh, they were asked to come and help with the prisoners there, and so she had to experience that horror of seeing that. And then finally, the war was over, and and uh, in Europe, anyhow, and she was back in France at one of the. They were called the cigarette camps. The camps of the. Uh, logistically got people ready to ship home and sure enough right down the road was uh was the 13th armor again and sure enough here comes uh walt and once again he asked her to marry her once again she says no not till the war is over and and so they uh both head back to the states for a 30-day leave uh before they were going to be uh sent to the south pacific and and so they met in uh in chicago and while there the the war ended and two days later uh uh, he, she kept his promise and her promise, and they got married and had sixty five years together. So uh, it's an amazing story. It is. It really is. She's, uh, she's an amazing woman. She she's really kind of a right now a spokesman. I think for that generation, she loves to get out and and talk about. She doesn't want uh, wants her want her generation to be forgotten, and she's very uh, very good about wanting to come out and and, and talk about uh, the war and her generation. Yeah. You know, a couple of things I remember from the interview with her is that it, she was D plus 30, I think. So mm-hmm. that was right. yeah. going on, on to the beaches of Omaha 30 days after the initial, um, you know, uh, entrance into Europe. And she said, here I am. I mean, she was, she was what, like 18 or, I mean, she was just 18 or 19. 22 she, at the time. She, she was, she was okay, older. She was and that's one, uh, one thing that she said too. She goes, I, you know, I was, um, when they were in dangerous situations, she prayed to God that she would die. She goes, please, I'm I'm young, I'm single. Please take me over to the other nurses that have kids and and and, and husbands. Yeah, <clears throat> she's a she's quite a lady, that's for sure. And um, she said she walked up on that beach with a basically you know a knapsack with all of her belongings. Yeah. And as you mentioned, she was right behind the front lines. And uh, trying to give the guys enough plasma to get them to a point where they could survive to get into surgery. And I just remember her saying that she wanted to do everything she could to help take care of our boys. Yeah, yeah. And it just, oh, my gosh. Uh, So, uh, yeah, quite an interview. I'll tell you what. I I see her all the time. And one of her most cherished uh, gifts is that little vial of sand that you guys brought back from Normandy. Every time I see that, I see her. Eventually, she brings up that little vial of sand. That's a it's a, a treasured gift to her. So you should know that. Oh, thank you. And I I should I think it's okay to say this on on the air. So when we were over in Normandy, uh, one of our friends from Holland uh, said, "Okay, we're going to go to Omaha Beach today. Everybody, take a water bottle, empty it, and take a water bottle." And we're like, "Okay, you know, Ralph says it. Okay, we'll do it." 
And he said, so you might want to fill up that water bottle with sand. And, you know, you're there, you're kind of like, okay, this is kind of special. You get back to America, and you look at that, and you look at that as sacred sand. And so I very carefully have given a little to different people for very special occasions. So... So I'm glad to hear that. So that's yeah. that's pretty great. So she could have gotten her own sand this year, though, because she yeah, went back yeah. for the 75th. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay, Brad, let's try another story. What's another one that you would like to share? Oh, boy. Uh, who could I think of? Um, trying to think of uh, trying to think of some of the guys that are on the ground uh, in the foxholes. And um, I'm getting bad. It, it used to be I, I knew every Every veteran, their name. I could tell you what their wife and kids were. I knew their story by heart, and I think I've done. Well, after so many- five hundred interviews, yeah. it gets a little t- yeah. tricky. You know? But I, I think of. Oh, I'm trying to think of his name now. But he he talks about being being in um, at, at the Battle of the Bulge and sitting in in the foxhole. He was frozen, and he goes. You know, he spent the nights when it was quiet. That's when he re- reflect, and he would think. You know. My dad was here just 25 years ago in the same situation. What's wrong with these people? You know, <laughs> the, I thought that was uh, an interesting observation. But uh, I'm just trying to think. Uh, well, to uh, that point, in in the um, uh, first village that was li- liberated, which was St. Lee's, in the church there, they have a uh, stained glass window. Oh, right. Yeah. And in that stained glass window, they have the patron saint of paratroopers. Hmm. And in both French and in English... They have, it says, they came back. They were just, and so it was, you know, just a thank you to the paratroopers. Uh, and, and it's remarkable. It is remarkable what, what Americans have done. And um, recently, uh, you know, Gettysburg, the Battle of Gettysburg yeah. was fought from July 1 to July 3 in 1863. And so I recently did an interview with a guy who is an expert on Gettysburg and uh, he said something so interesting about that battle. He said that if, in fact, that battle had not ended up the way that it had, then who would have stepped up in World War One to help save Europe? Who would have stepped up in World War Two? And then, Brad, I'm going back to the revolution. You know, yeah. we're, we've been, you know, just recently celebrating our independence. I'm thinking, if those young soldiers in the Revolutionary War hadn't stepped up, that's right. How would that have changed history? That's right. I mean, is yeah. that not astonishing to think it, of that? It is. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, I, I, you know, like I said, I started out this project just to kind of fulfill an interest in history, um, part, in part. I mean, I, I've always had a deep respect for veterans, but hearing all these stories and, and the sacrifices of what these men and women have done and, you know, for us, it's uh, it's become an obsession to, to, to do anything I can to remember and, and, and honor and, and help these people. It's... Uh, just the history of our veterans and our military is, um, you're right, and it's astonishing. What, um, so with that, tell us a little bit, uh, your website is Remember and Honor. Mm-hmm. So just tell our listeners a little bit about that because there's a lot of great information there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, I really need to redo that. I actually got a, a second website. Actually, in March, I started a, uh, a local magazine up in uh, the northern Colorado area to honor our, our veterans and and collect information and pass on information. I mean, all these years of of, of these interviews and meeting incredible people, seeing organizations that are doing great work uh, for our veterans. I've 
there's just a lot of information. There's never been any place to, to share it and to highlight it. So I started a magazine named Remember and Honor in, in, in April to, uh, to do that, to share stories and such. So, uh, probably the better I've got the Remember and Honor website, but the Remember and Honor magazine website is probably a little bit better and more informative, uh, as far as information. And it, like I said, it expanded from not only just telling their stories, but trying to help, help these veterans. I mean, so often you, you, you talk to a veteran or you, you think of a veteran, oh, he served from, you know, 1968 to 1972, but that's not true. He started in 68, but more often than not, he is still serving. He is still sacrificing. And we just, we we're, we owe these people so much. And, uh, I've just kind of dedicated, uh, my time to as help them in any way I can. Well, it is, uh, it's absolutely, uh, God's work on this. So mm. thank you for doing that. And so this, this book reflections of our gentle warriors, personal stories of world war two veterans by Brad hoops. That's H O O P E S. I'd highly recommend that you get that. And then this wonderful, uh, thing that's going to be happening up at the Loveland airport, which is basically I-25 and crossroads up there at Loveland. Uh-huh. It's just west of that intersection and probably north just yes. a little bit. Yeah. Correct. Uh, there will be a complete World War II reenactment camp with reenactors. You're going to have a tank. You're going to have jeeps. But the real thing is, is the World War II birds that are going to be flying in. People can purchase an opportunity to fly on them. And thank you to you, one of my lucky listeners is going to get to uh, win a drawing. We're going to draw for somebody to get to write on one of those. And uh, so very excited about that. And really thank you so much for including us in that. It's a great oh, honor to do that. I, I appreciate you helping us out with that and spreading the word. Absolutely. So go to americhicks.com to sign up. That is americhicks.com. And you might get to ride on a real World War II bird. Exciting. So, <laughs> so, Brad Hoops, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to see you. I so respect your work. And every time I drop the name Brad Hoops with any World War II veteran, it's like any friend of Brad, Brad Hoops is a friend of mine. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Okay. So this is Kim Munson signing off. And uh, be sure and tune in, tune in same time next week. Join us next time for the World War II Project and your host, the Americhick, Kim Munson. Until then, keep saluting the greatest generation.